Welcome back to the Next Big Thing podcast. I'm your host, Sam Ogborn. All right, I'm about to have some real talk with you guys who are listening today. No joke, I got to say this because there are some companies that I come across, some startups, some ideas where I'm like, where the hell was this before? And how do we go this long without having something like this? And that's exactly how I feel about today's podcast episode and today's guest. Today we have on... Lori, who is the founder of Mindful Return. And I think most of my listeners know I don't have kids. But when I came across this idea, I was like, this is absolutely brilliant. And I was so excited. I reached out to Lori and I was like, I have to have you on the podcast. So Lori came up with this idea, Mindful Return. And she came up with this idea after having two kids and she was feeling frustrated and trying to figure out how she could possibly go back to work. Even though she wanted to go back to work, she said it just didn't feel necessarily right. And so she created this entire company to help both moms and dads go back to work and feel better about going back to work. Like this is a brilliant idea and I'm shocked that up until this point, there haven't been resources to help people out when it comes to returning back to work. And it is, I'm sure, after going through maternity leave or paternity leave, it is a huge hurdle. And it's a lot to go through on your own. So Lori offers courses and resources for people who are going back to work after having a child. And I just want to say, thank you, Lori, for coming up with this idea and starting a company that's going to help so many parents around the world And you've already helped so many parents around the world. But that's what the next big thing is all about. Bringing people on who are coming up with ideas that really are going to be game changers. And I feel like Mindful Return is such a different, innovative idea that's out there. And I love that Lori is helping people get back to work and still feel good about it. Like, where has this mental health resource been before? (laughs) And Lori, in her own right, is a working mom. So she had to figure out, okay, how do I balance my passion for my career while also um, having a tough time going back to work and actually feeling good about going back to work? So I am so, 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 so excited to have Lori on today. I hope you guys enjoy the episode Whether or not you are a parent, I think you will find value in this episode because what Lori talks about is something that every entrepreneur goes through on their journey, and that is solving for a problem that we experience in our own personal lives. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll catch you guys on the flip side. All right. Hey, Lori, thanks so much for coming on the Next Big Thing podcast. It's so good to be here, Sam. Thanks for having me on. So excited. I cannot wait to chat more about what you do because... I think people are unaware that these types of services exist. And I just, I'm so happy to to spread the word. So let's talk about Mindful Return. Can you give listeners just a brief overview of what it is? Sure. So Mindful Return is a support for brand new parents to help them navigate 
the transition back to work after parental leave. And it's a way for employers to retain their working parent top talent. So basically the main program within Mindful Return is a four-week online course that 70 employers now offer to their employees or that somebody could sign up for themselves that a new parent goes through to feel less alone and more empowered as they go from that, you know, being a professional to being a professional who is also a working parent. I founded Mindful Return after basically going off the rails after having my second child and finding that there were so few resources out there that were devoted to how to navigate that transition back to work. You know, you could find a class on how to puree baby food or how to massage your baby or all of the breastfeeding support and all that stuff is really helpful, but it's all focused on the child and it's not focused on the personal, emotional, professional identity of the parent. Wow. Oh my gosh. We have so much to talk about. So <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> also... The 70 employers, can we just go back and touch on that really quickly? Because that is really impressive. I'm curious, are they, are these employers, are they specific industries or is it just across the board? Yeah, so they are very much across the board. I am a lawyer, both by practice and training. Um, I actually am a partner at a law firm on a 50% schedule and run my company Mindful Return in the other 50%. So um, there is a majority of companies that are law firms because I think they see me as someone who understands the billable hour legal world. So of those 70 companies, about 40 of them are law firms. The other 30 are in all different sectors from banking to engineering to Herman Miller, the chair company, you know, really all over the board, financial sector wow. to small consulting companies, really just a myriad of employers who all want to do right by their new parent employees. That's amazing. And do you think that they find out about this through a current employee? Like, how do they realize that they need to be seeking out of services that help with something like this? Yeah. So I think within the legal industry, word spreads because of listservs or because one firm sees another firm offering it and they like to compete on benefits. But just as you've said, a lot of women will follow Mindful Return and start receiving the Mindful Return newsletter and then sign up for the course themselves and then turn around and take it to their company and say, hey, wait a minute, I shouldn't have had to pay for this myself. And P.S., you really should be offering it to everyone. So they've uh, become really great brand ambassadors as well. I love that. Yeah. And I think about my friends who are lawyers and who have kids and I'm like, I feel for them because the lifestyle is a different lifestyle. But it's not just also too, I think there's something to be said for it. it shouldn't just be exclusively for the jobs that feel really hard or really demanding. It should be for everyone. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I mean, if there's one theme probably throughout the employers is that many of them tend to be in male dominated industries where it's perhaps less, less common to have a lot of women in some of the top leadership roles. And you yeah. know, the people who take the course tend to be type A overachievers who really care about their <laughs> careers and also care about their babies and want to figure out how to yeah. navigate this and are feeling a lot of anxiety about it, quite frankly. Completely. Okay. So I'm sure everyone who's listening has to understand this because I also want to understand this. Like your path to entrepreneurship, you're a lawyer, but you're also doing this on this side Maybe some people who are listening might think that you're crazy for doing both of those things. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but how did you decide this is what I'm going to do? And how did you figure out balancing that with your full-time job? Because that's a real, 
reality of a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. So I have to laugh because my husband likes to joke that, you know, I was the risk averse lawyer who on the day we got married, he never envisioned she would you know, start her own company. And meanwhile, my husband is an MBA and he founded his own company nine years ago. He's a career coach and like he's the entrepreneurial one. Right. And so basically my own sheer desperation, a desire to create what I wished had existed and you know, the, the Clifton Strengths Finder, which is a tool for determining sort of what your strengths are, it turns out that mine is activator. And when I see oh, a problem, I like have to do something about it. And so yeah. after, after my second child was born, I was in a very dark place. I probably had some undiagnosed postpartum anxiety. And I wound up signing up for an online course called the Abundant Mama Project. And it was really geared to moms all over the globe with kids of all ages. And the topic was how to find abundance instead of overwhelm in your days as a parent. And after I took this four week course, I really felt a lot more uplifted. I felt less alone because I heard the voices of other people basically feeling the same things I was feeling in this community. And I said, gosh, there needs to be something for brand new working parents that's like this community and this course that somebody can go through yes. to, for the transition. And my husband quipped like, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and, you know, basically I mar You're like, Is that a challenge? <laughs> marched up to my room, opened up my laptop, <laughs> sat on my bed and started writing my first blog post to no one really, you know, <laughs> it was like, this is ridiculous. There's not enough support. <laughs> and so, um, you know, thus began what was a side hustle and is now really like half of my life and is a you know legitimate business and, and takes up half of my professional work week, if not more sometimes. And I started off in the very much a side hustle 20 minutes a night after the kids were in bed and my day job was done. I was working full time at a trade association back then. And about a year and a half into my journey with Mindful Return, I really wanted some daylight hours. Uh, to work on it because it was picking up on the employer side and it was becoming more challenging to do both the full-time day role and the evening role. And there were some dynamics within the organization that where I was working that made it made me want to move on to a new role. So I left the full-time role and ironically, I went back to a law firm, but I entered the law firm as a partner on a 60% schedule at the time. I love the fact that there are firms out there and there are practice groups that are willing to consider not full-time scheduled lawyer for a role. And I came in at 60% and that freed me up to do some work during the day on Mindful Return. And I've sort of, you know, shifted gradually to the point where now it's 50-50. I love that. I love that it wasn't just something that clicked for you schedule-wise. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's ever evolving, I would say. Yes. And at the beginning... I was just so passionate about the subject that I was willing to scrape together 15 or 20 minutes here and there. And, you know, I'd take a business trip for work, you know, to the other side of the country. I live in Washington, D.C. And like I had some trips to the West Coast and I was like, yes, I get four hours alone on an airplane with nobody to interrupt me to work on mindful return. You know, I was just so excited. You literally sound like me because... <laughs> Those hours on a plane are precious. Mm -hmm. It's precious time. I miss that like, during COVID. <laughs> same. I actually do too. I don't miss traveling a lot, but I do miss like in a previous job of mine, I flew out to LA like almost, I don't know, twice a month. And in that four hour plane ride, I just, 
I remember I read so mm-hmm. much. Like I would go, I would fly through books. So yeah, it's like that precious silent time that really helps you like hone in on things. And also is like a good change of scenery. So yeah, I totally feel you on that. It's like yeah. practice four hours uninterrupted to work on your business. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, That makes perfect sense. There's also some good research on how having a passion project of sorts can actually make you more energized in your day job. And so I found that things that I might have previously been bothered by in the day world that used to be my entire existence no longer bothered me because I had a creative outlet. And I also find that I get to use different skills. You know, I get to use the like creative writing and the mentoring and the forming groups and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And sales. I mean, that's applicable in the law too. But in the legal side, I get to use the analytical reasoning and counseling the clients. And I really sort of love that I get to balance both of those in my week. I love that you brought that up because no one's actually brought that up before as a guest. And I really couldn't agree with you more. I feel like I'm so much better, not only in my industry, but in my life overall, like my creative juices are always flowing because I'm not stagnant on one project, right? Like sometimes when you're so tunnel vision on one thing, it's like you lose sight of the things that could actually make it better. And I feel like when you're doing your own side hustle or running your own thing, you build this complementary skill set almost because Mm -hmm. you have to Mm -hmm. find answers for that side hustle that actually can apply to the other parts that you're working on, like your other business, your other full-time job. So I love that you said that because I think a lot of people think the dream is you have an idea for a startup or a business and it's, you do it at night, like you were talking about. And then at some point, everything stops, your full-time job stops and you make that really scary transition to going full-time that like plunge, right? But that's Mm -hmm, really just mm -hmm. one way of doing it. That's also not the way that a lot of people do it. There can be this fine balance that I don't feel like a lot of people talk about. Yeah, that's so true. And I get the question all the time. So when are you quitting your legal job? So when are you going to quit that? And my answer is, I don't know. I don't have any plan to. <laughs> like, I yeah. like my legal job. I, I actually have, you know, I, I derive joy from the type of legal work that I do and I find it meaningful in the world. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, like I'm, I'm happy doing both. I also feel like I've made an intentional choice to have what I've heard referred to as a por- portfolio approach to my career, where it's not just one thing. Like, you know, you're, it's not hedging on one or another, but it's, it's finding all these pieces that fit together. And I find rewarding and also happen to be different levels of risk and different financial models too. So it's not all of the eggs in one basket, so to speak. Yes. Oh, oh I love it. <laughs> I love that we're talking about this because we haven't talked about it on the podcast before. So I think it's really refreshing to hear that. I have to imagine that when you told people around you about Mindful Return, they were probably overly enthusiastic because they needed something like this. But I kind of want to get to the root of what mindful return really solves for. And I want to understand from your POV, like why is there so much guilt associated with parents returning to work? And is it more around they feel judgment from their children or guilt from their children? Or is it more about their colleagues? Or what would you say? Is it everything? Yeah, so what mindful return is solving for is the pipeline to leadership for women that leaks at the stage when they have children. 
So, you know, I looked around and I was like, why is it that all these women are not rising to leadership positions? And the place where a lot of women opt out or are pushed out or feel like they're not able to continue is that point when they have kids. And nationally in the United States, about 66% of women go back to work after they have their first child. A third of them don't. And, you know, I ran some data on the folks. A third? A third. A third. Wow. And so this is uh, Ovia Health is the source if you're looking for it. And um, okay. I ran some data on mindful return participants. We've had over a thousand people go through the course the five years between 2016 and 2019. And we ran the data and 85% of those women and some men who have gone through the mindful return course, 85% are still with the same employer and 93% are still in the workforce. So I'd like to think that this is actually having a real oh. impact. It doesn't reflect the national average yeah. at all. And so, you know, the guilt question, it's such a good one, Sam, and it's really complicated. And I'd like to point out perhaps that there is a very well-documented motherhood penalty that exists in the workplace whereby there are implicit biases that a lot of people have that when somebody becomes a parent or they become pregnant, they're just um, a mother specifically. They're just not as dedicated anymore. They just can't commit themselves to work the way they previously did. And, you know, they're just going to deprioritize their job. And that's a bias and it's a myth. And left unchecked, I think it wreaks havoc on women's careers. Um, when you have managers who recognize that bias and who consciously ask women, oh, well, you know, here's a big project. Are you interested in, in joining the, this big project team or not, rather than assuming that the woman doesn't want to do the big project anymore? You know, then we have an opportunity to actually engage in a dialogue and help women advance. Um, I'd note that women of color struggle even more. And, you know, the leak in the pipeline is even bigger for many, many reasons around women of color. So I'm really trying to raise awareness around that, too. Yes, there is the guilt of, oh my gosh, I feel like I should be in two places at the same time. But I think in part, that's a cultural narrative around what we're supposed to think about ourselves that plays into that. There's some wonderful research by an anthropologist named Sarah Bluffler Hurdy, H-R-D-Y, where she you know, studied ancient civilizations and found that like back then, women left their kids with their village and went off to do gathering and the work that they needed to do. And Hurdy calls the construct alloparents. Like it's normal in human society to have alloparents who care for children, not just <laughs> the two people who actually created the child. But we don't know as a dialogue, as a history, we just think, oh, it, you know, it's history wow. says it's the mom who's supposed to take care of the child. No, <laughs> that's not it at all. You know, simultaneously, we also yeah. devalue <laughs> caregiving by men. And I think the more we can do to encourage men to take their parental leave, the more we can do to encourage men to, to ask for flexibility so that they can be the ones who move things around on a daily basis and do some of the childcare and the labor at home, the better off women's careers are. I mean, there's data linking men's taking of parental leave to advancement of women's careers. So we need to focus on that too. And I think when, when we focus on that, the guilt levels will go down. Wow. Oh, that's so interesting. I love that you bring stats to this. Yes, you were like my ultimate podcast <laughs> guest. I love this. <laughs> yeah, but you do need to acknowledge these. And I don't feel like people really question 
where their biases or where their gut reaction or inclinations really come from when it comes to this. Yeah, there's, have you heard of the Harvard IAT test? No. You can just Google it. And, you know, the IAT test is all about implicit biases and you can take it, um, you can just go online and sign up and take it with respect to any number of different factors around race and sexual orientation and caregiving and parenthood. And, um, you know, basically you're determining whether your brain automatically makes an association between women in home and men in work. And, you know, based on this test that they set up, you can find out, do you have some hidden biases? Everybody has some of these. It's normal. That's how we've all been programmed. But you can learn where your brain automatically goes and then correct for it. So that's where the the magic yeah. comes in, right? Absolutely. Oh, I love it. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about from the company perspective. Yeah. I'm very curious about this. Like, so for companies or for even entrepreneurs, businesses that are listening right now, and and from your POV, how can and should companies really approach employees coming back from leave? Like if a company really wants to be better in this area, in your mind, what does that look like? Yeah, so first, it looks like believing in your employee for the long haul, right? This isn't a moment in time where they're going to come back and they're going to in a law firm setting, for example, like build the same number of hours tomorrow as they did. I think it's recognizing that this employee has value. You want to retain them. And the neuroscience shows that the greatest plasticity for an adult human being is during the first year after a child is born. So your employee is gaining amazing skills. Their brain is growing in a way that's actually going to benefit you as a company. I mean, if you think of sort of all the leadership traits that you want at your company, And those might be things like the ability to solve problems really quickly or to interact with clients who can't express their needs very well. Well, guess what? That's what parents are doing all day at home. So, you know, all of the skills that your employees are gaining are going to be useful to you in the workplace as an employer. And so I'd say like the mindset piece is really important. Like you want the folks to come back. Then I think you need to have a really structured way of telling them that you want them to come back. There are any number of policies that you can adopt. I mean, paid leave is a huge one. Flexible return policies, ramp up policies that allow folks to maybe not come back full time the first day that they're coming back. Finding mentorship programs, offering mindful return to help them through the the process, pairing them up with parents within their division or within their group who have gone through it before can be really helpful. And I'd say supporting parent and caregiver ERGs with resources and with leadership support can be really helpful in helping parents feel like they're part of a community that's valued at the workplace. Oh, that's so important because I think we are in such a toxic work culture sometimes where the value of showing an employee that you appreciate them and that you respect them throughout that entire process is such an important reminder. Yeah. And that needs to be a foundational practice from the company, but also other employees within the company, you know, when their colleagues takes leave. So I think that that's such an important point. I love that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, train your managers on how to deal with folks who go out for caregiving leave. Um, Mindful Returns coming out with a manager training course in January. So I'm really excited about that. But you know, you want to check for microaggressions, things like, oh, how was your vacation while you were out on leave? Like, it's not a vacation, people, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, um, I deserve that. And I 
have that as part of my job here. Like that's, yeah. you know, like, and yes, I haven't slept in four months. And if that's what right. the patient looks like, I'm really surprised. Yes. You know? oh my um, God. Or, you know, I had when someone takes advantage, not takes advantage in a bad way, but uses the policies that are available to them, you know, don't berate them or stigmatize them for using them. I had someone once tell me that I was on a French schedule, you know, just sort of insulting the fact oh, that I work a few hours per so week. And like, that's not okay, oh right? God. So if you want to create an environment where people feel welcome and feel valued and included, then, you know, pause before those things come out of your mouth. Okay, that's so rude. That makes me really, really angry. Also, I have a bone to pick with the traditional work culture. I think a lot of this has also come from me starting my side business. But it is amazing. When you think about the corporate culture of sitting at a desk nine to five to get things done, it's amazing what you can get done when you have tasks instead of feeling like you have to spend a certain amount of hours in front of a computer, right? It's like, like, I think it's ridiculous that we expect people to stay on tab, you know, for nine to five, when really, if you had tasks, you can get them done in four hours and be 10 times more efficient. So that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. But I think that that's such bullshit. So much to say on that subject. So much <laughs> to say, but I think that that's such bullshit because it's not even fair because who's to say that that person's not getting their work done. It's just, ugh, it bothers me. So value results over hours. Like, yes. Let's commit, exactly. commit to that. That's yes. the takeaway for sure. So let's talk about COVID. I have to bring that up. Mm. Everyone mm-hmm. who's listening is like, yep, yeah, we know that she's going there because <laughs> I ask this on every podcast episode. But COVID has had to have some kind of impact on your business just purely based on the fact that a return to work looks really different this year. So how has Mindful Return seen some shifts when it comes to work culture, work behavior, and understanding the like new return norms? Yeah, so I think I have to go back and just paint the picture that we recently got the McKinsey report that almost a million women were pushed out of the workforce in the month of September alone. Uh-huh. And that's four times wow. the number of women as men. And throughout the pandemic, it's been massively uh-huh. weighted to women to the point where people are now calling it a she session. I mean, this year is devastating. And so oh I think companies God. are starting to say, oh my gosh, like, wow, why are all these women leaving? And when you look at it, it's, both industries where women are often predominant. And now it's also particularly since schools have become a disaster since September, it's been working moms who are completely unable to do both because their companies have in many ways not made it possible for them to survive this. And our childcare and school infrastructure, to the extent we had one, is completely decimated and crumbling. So I just have to start there and say that on the one hand, it's really, really a disaster. And it also means that companies are starting to pay attention to working parenthood and issues around caregiving and what they can do to help. And so I guess I'll just say for two prongs on mindful return. On the one hand, we of course continue to focus on the brand new parents and have modified the mindful return course, both one for there's a course for moms and there's a course for dads. And we've modified both to be COVID-friendly, COVID-specific, you know, address the fact that many people are working remotely with their baby in the next room right now and the challenges that come along with that. And subsequently, we have expanded this year to helping working parents writ large. We're now doing a lot of workshops for companies on how to, rather for the parents within companies, to work on 
time management and boundary setting strategies and energy management strategies because there's a huge level of burnout right now. And we've been doing a lot of working parent group coaching for employers um, to help their parents really get through the pandemic. So I'd say like there has been a huge spotlight shown on the issues that Mindful Return is working to address. And so in that respect, Mindful Return has been quite busy this year. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, that is, there's so, there's so many nuances there, I feel like. Um, and I, I really feel, I do feel for parents when you say that, like, we'll be on a, a call and then their baby's in the next room and you can hear them. Like, I feel for every mm-hmm. single parent that has to do the double duty right now and focus because it's really, really hard to do that. So I commend anyone, any, any mom, any dad that's, that's going through that and has to manage that because it is a, different beasts. And then also making sure that their kids are safe and COVID free. So yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a different year. (laughs) Yeah. My boys are seven and nine and they're doing 100% virtual school right now. They're second and fourth grade and it is a wild and crazy world. I mean, my fourth grader is basically like self-sufficient and fine, relatively speaking, but seven-year-old boys are not meant to sit in front of a computer all day long and have massive amounts of energy. And my son in particular is extremely social and outgoing. And this is a really tough year for him. So everybody's navigating sort of different stages and phases of this too. Yeah, completely. Well, what is something in your mind that that feels out of the norm right now when it comes to work-life balance, work-life culture, and returning back to work? that you actually think, so it's not the norm right now, but you actually think is going to be the norm in the future when it comes to returning to work. And in general, I think just having more flexibility for things that are important in your life. Yeah, I think um, the obvious answer is the ability to work from multiple places. I remember it used to be quite stigmatizing for individuals to say, well, oh, you know, so can I have a day at home or whatever. And I remember sort of, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And I also know that um, there are perceptions that, you know, working parents get benefits that people who are not parents don't get. And so, you know, there are sort of like those equity issues that have come up in the past. And, you know, whenever I had my first, and I guess, yeah, yeah, it was my first child. I asked to work from home one day a week and was granted it and had an employee come up to me who, you know, worked on my team who said, it's not fair. Like, I don't have any kids, so I don't have that reason. And I live two hours away and I have this huge commute and I don't get to work, you know, remotely or flexibly. And my question back to her was, have you ever asked? And the answer was no. And as soon as she asked, she was granted it as well. And so (laughs) I think, you know, the story here is that you need to ask for what it is that you want. But I feel like, Now, there should be no reason why employers put up barriers to why people can't have more time, you know, being able to work remotely than they previously did. And quite frankly, being able to work remotely, some of the time, I understand the value of being together in person for some amount of time, but not all of it. You know, that flexibility is so important to working parents being able to juggle the childcare shift and just sort of negotiate and navigate everything that they're meant to fit in in a week. It seems obvious, but it is also, I I think the point of asking for what you want is so important. And then expecting that that trust is going to come because it should be there, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have no deficiencies simply because I work differently than you. (laughs) Yes. Right. Exactly. I get the work done. Yeah. 
Okay, so so many people, and I feel like I experienced this, and I don't even have kids, but I've had this conversation with a lot of my friends who have had kids, and the answers have all been really different. So I'm curious as to your perspective, but a lot of people believe that something's got to give when it comes to parents and work. So can parents really have it all? And when we talk about having it all, it's like having a successful career and healthy relationships and like mindful, guiltless parenting. Like, is that possible? So I think a fairy tale dream world where you have no negative emotions is not possible. (laughs) (laughs) When you're not a human. (laughs) When you're not human and you don't have ups and downs and sad days and days when you feel the guilt and days when you, then you're, you cease to be human and you have become a robot. That state I don't think exists, but a state in which one can have a fulfilling professional career and wonderful children whom they love dearly and a healthy relationship with a partner, I think is possible. I am holding two things at the same time that may be in tension with one another. One is I feel like I personally am living that. Like I have a wonderful marriage that is very equal and supportive. I have two great kids and I run a business and have a law firm and I've adopted a lot of mindfulness practices that for me make all of that possible. And I recognize that I have great privilege and I don't think that it's possible for everyone in this country. I think that we don't have a childcare infrastructure in our country that allows people to have affordable childcare. I mean, just, I live in Washington, DC. It costs about $2,000 a month just for a spot in an infant daycare room. Like that's not accessible to, you know, everybody across the country. And so I struggle with saying, yes, it's possible. Everybody can do it because it's not true. And there are ways that individuals can sort of navigate their own lives and set boundaries to make it more possible. I mean, I think if there's anything that 2020 has taught me personally, it's check your privilege. Yes. (laughs) Because so much, so many of us, I think going into this year, even we're just not as aware of our privilege. And when you bring up a $2,000 daycare situation, yeah, that is a choice that we are privileged to be able to make. Exactly. Yep. And I mean, there just aren't enough daycare spots and not enough affordable ones. I mean, it's a national crisis, really, because we we don't invest in that particular age and stage of children's lives. Yeah, completely. Yeah. What would you say is the most important lesson you've learned as an entrepreneur? Mm, That's such a great question. I think it's to not be afraid to fail and just to run. (laughs) Just like go forward, run, just keep running. running. So, you know, I think becoming a parent for me caused me to maybe out of necessity, give up a lot of worries and angst and ruminating about things that I might have spent a ton of time thinking about before um, public speaking comes to mind. Like, you know, I used to be scared to do public speaking and I'd like prep for hours and hours and blah, blah, blah. And then I had babies and I had to go like across the country and give talks for my organization. And suddenly I just didn't have any time to get worked up about it anymore. So I just did it. And all the worry was gone. And somehow it was so much better because I was much more conversational and I didn't get worked up about it anymore. And I just feel like that's sort of a metaphor for, you know, how I've operated my company too. like, okay, so this might go wrong, but we're just going to go try it. And like, there's a, the analogy I think was um, back, you know, probably in the middle ages when they were, hadn't yet really 
discovered all the more efficient ways around the earth. And they would just send out tons and tons of ships to try to, you know, be able to go to the Far East. And I'm not telling the story particularly well, but the, the concept is send <laughs> out more ships. Like the more ships you send yeah. out, the more <laughs> stuff, you know, full of riches from the Orient is going to come back to you. And so you just have to keep trying and sending yeah. out more and more ideas and thoughts and efforts and emails into the world and see what comes back. It's not all going to come back, but more things right. will the more you send out. So just try more stuff. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> For people who are listening, who want to work with you or be a part of Mindful Return in any capacity, take uh, the course, like what would you recommend for them as a next step? Sure. So if you go to www.mindfulreturn.com, you can poke around on the website. There's a page on the website specifically for employers. It's called for employers. There's a spot specifically for courses where you can get a drop down and see what courses are available. <clears throat> Our courses for new parents start every other month. It should fall within your leave time. I put out a weekly newsletter that you can sign up for on my website called Saturday Secrets that comes out at 6 a.m. every Saturday morning when all parents are up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed with their two-year-old. And the weekly blog post is located in the newsletter for the week. I also co-host a podcast called Parents at Work, which you can follow along with. And I'm on all the social media channels. So, you know, hop over to Instagram and follow Mindful Return if you want a daily dose of some working parent inspiration. And we're on Twitter and Facebook as well. I think that pretty much covers. Oh, and you can go and find me on LinkedIn. Just mention that you heard this podcast and I'm happy to connect with you over on LinkedIn as well. Love that. That's awesome. Last and final question. What is the future of Mindful Return? Ah, I'm all about baby steps, but important goals. And right now I have 70 employers and I would love to have 100. In fact, I've told my children that once we have 100, we're going to get a cake that has the number 100 on it. So that's, you know, the goal we're Cute. working for. And we've got a chart. My children check the chart every time a new employer gets added. No. <laughs> and um, a couple of other initiatives that we're in the thick of. I mentioned the manager training course, which is going to come out in January of 2021, which is an asynchronous on-demand course for managers to go through when they have employees who are going on leave to help them navigate that situation. And then we are also going to be launching a UK chapter of Mindful Return. Wow, that's so exciting. Yeah. And I've got a Spanish language translation in the works. I don't have a date on that one yet, but there's a whole community in Latin and South America and in the United States as well who would like access to the material and currently can't access it. So that's in the wow, works too. Wow, that is amazing. I love that you're going global. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, exactly. Wow. Okay, yeah. great. Well, I will make sure to include all the links to everything in the show notes. And thank you so much, Lori, for such an informative episode. I can't wait for people to listen to this and just know that there are options out there for them. Wonderful, Sam. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for is having me. Is it just me or did we learn so much in that episode from Lori? Holy crap, she knows so much about this space and I'm so honored and flattered to have her on. Mindful Return is such a brilliant company idea concept and I love that Lori has taken it upon herself to build something even while working that benefits moms and dads going back to work. So thank you so much, Lori, for coming on the Next Big Thing podcast. We are so happy to have you and share your story and your journey and also promote and get out there that resources exist like Mindful Return and that people don't have to do it alone. So 
Thank you once again for coming on and sharing your knowledge. So excited to have you as part of the next big thing family, because that was just awesome. So thank you. And if you guys loved today's episode, please make sure to leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. You guys know my spiel, (laughs) but it goes such a long way. It makes my heart so happy. And it also encourages more people to listen to this podcast, which is exactly what we want. So please go ahead if you haven't already, give us a rating and review. I would love to hear from you. I'd also love to know if you guys have any podcast guests or ideas that you would like for me to highlight or speak to. I am always open. So please make sure I'll include the email in this week's episode. Please make sure to reach out to me if you have something that you think would be awesome for us to talk about on the show. And thanks so much again, you guys. I will catch you next week.